Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gamers 360 Network. Slowly but surely, the left is losing their stranglehold on blacks and culture. This is Rob Smith is problematic. It has been happening very slowly and very subtly for the past few years, but the impact is undeniable. Now, if you've read my book, Always a Soldier, Service, Sacrifice, and Coming Out as America's Favorite Black Gay Republican, then you would have heard about this stuff that I'm going to tell you about. If you have not, you should. It's a great book. I'm getting a lot of good feedback on it. There is no person that has single-handedly brought conservative and Republican ideas into the mainstream, quite like Kanye West. The impact that Kanye West has had on the culture and on the dissemination of Black conservative ideas into the mainstream over the past few years is completely undeniable. Candace Owens is big because Candace Owens is is brilliant and and intelligent and and amazing and all those different things. But when you're a a political commentator, you're a right-leaning personality, we can sometimes be in in these little bubbles of of conservatism or of, of the conservative media or whatever. So when Kanye tweeted, I love the way Candace Owens thinks, he introduced her to the world that would never have even seen a Fox News segment or would never have even like gone to her YouTube page. And that was the power that Kanye West had within the culture. And now she is a cultural figure in that way, in part because Kanye is so powerful. And to just get an impact of how powerful he is, I mean, my goodness, you you need somebody who's going to stand up against the establishment and say, this is who I am and this is what I think. You need somebody that is big enough to not be canceled. And Kanye just can't be canceled. It, it, it's just, it's not going to happen. Cancel Kanye may trend on Twitter. There may be some people that that say that he's stupid or he's an Uncle Tom or he's a coon or he's all of these other things that that they call Black people when we get out of line when we're not thinking the way that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democratic Party say that we're supposed to think. So he's going to get all of that stuff. But he's a cultural icon. And that impact is undeniable. And the fact that he has not been canceled, the fact that he has doubled down after everything that has been thrown at him, I was doing cable news when Kanye first came out as when he first started wearing the MAGA cap. And then, you know, he went to the the Oval Office meeting with Trump and, and it was this big thing. I remember doing cable news and I was just battling it. And, and I was battling with a lot of black liberals because the talking point that they had all decided that they were going to take to cable news and the media was that Kanye's off his meds. Kanye is crazy. Don't listen to Kanye. All of this other stuff. They literally tried to destroy this man. They tried to end him. They tried to end him. But a funny thing happened. They were not able to cancel him. They were not able to destroy him. They were not able to end him. And he just kept on going. And it's a testament to the cultural impact that he has that, say, even Kim Kardashian was able to get away with getting a photo taken with President Trump to get away with working with this administration to to help people. She she was one of the people that was behind the criminal justice reform that got passed in the first Trump administration. You know, hopefully there's a second one. But 
Kim Kardashian never got canceled. Kim Kardashian never, the cancel Kim was never trending. The ratings for the keeping up with the Kardashians didn't drop. None of that stuff. And that's a testament to how powerful Kanye is. And when you look at all of that stuff happened because this was about two years ago at this point. It was actually exactly two years ago because I remember exactly where I was at that point in time, you know, just battling black liberals on cable news. Definitely some places that I would never go to now because nobody watches them. in <laughs> these these other places that I went to, obviously not talking about Fox, love Fox because everybody watches Fox. But two years later, so now Kanye is running for president. And that is, you know, that that may make you laugh. You may think that that's a little bit of a joke. However you think of it, this is somebody that decided that I am going to do this. And he released Christian rap albums, and he still tweets to this day. He tweeted about abortion. And this cultural impact is opening so many people's eyes to conservative ideas and to things that a lot of people that follow Kanye West have never been exposed to ever. And that's a testament to his cultural impact, but that's also a testament to the fact that the left is losing its stranglehold over Blacks and culture. Because Black people are a huge part of pop culture, but we're also a huge part of political trends. And if the left was so powerful that they could control all of this stuff, then they could have ended Kanye West. They could have ended Kim Kardashian. They could have really pushed the Kanye is crazy narrative. The Kanye is crazy narrative never really seemed to take, first of all, because he's been open and honest about his his struggle with being bipolar, first of all. But second of all, because the same left that was pushing the Kanye is crazy narrative says... That, you know, you can't laugh at somebody's mental illness or you can't make fun of somebody's mental illness or you can't use that to say that they're not a relevant person or whatever. So the Kanye is crazy narrative just highlighted the hypocrisy of the left, which is why the Kanye is crazy narrative never took hold. So now you have this person that is a massive cultural and political figure is now saying that I'm going to run for president. Whatever you think about it, as far as what I think about Kanye running for president, at at this point, it it can't really happen because now he's getting people to write him in and and it's not a a big thing. That's not to say that it couldn't happen in a very real way in 2024. And I'm very serious about that. This could happen in a very real way in 2024. But the left is losing their stranglehold on Blacks and culture just because this has become such a moment in... It is continuing to happen. Kanye is opening minds, opening hearts and minds. And, and they thought that they, they had gotten him. They thought that they could get to shut him up, but they didn't. And he's still going. And what the left does, the reason why you'll never hear anything about Kanye anymore from the left is because they tried to destroy him and didn't succeed. And so they know all of the energy and, and, and all of the forces that they put into trying to destroy him a couple of years back didn't work. So now they just pretend that he doesn't exist. And this is what they do to these big cultural figures that we have as African-Americans. These, these are major cultural figures. And Kanye just will not be controlled in this way. And you see the left losing their stranglehold because other cultural figures are stepping up And they're saying, I'm going to work with the Trumps to help Black people. 
and I'm going to tell you who that next cultural figure is after the break. Ice Cube. N.W.A. Fuck the police. That Ice Cube. That person. That that this iconic rapper, actor, entertainer has just come out and said that he is working with the Trump administration to benefit Black America. And I, I, I'll, I'll tell you how this how this came out. So what happened? And this is something that Ice Cube just, just came out about uh, recently. He said that Ice Cube had put out this contract for Black America, right? You know, this is what happens when when all the all the actors and entertainers and all that stuff, like they've been, Ice Cube is worth $160 million. He has been a millionaire for probably at least the past 25 years, a multimillionaire for at, at least the, the past decade and a half. So he's very, very wealthy. But this is not even to read, read Ice Cube or, or to like, you know, crap on him or anything. He has this contract for Black America, and he has been talking about this a lot. And the reason why he took to his social media to say that I have this contract for Black America because we need to do things for Black America because there's a frustration that a lot of Black Americans are having right now with the Democratic Party. They are frustrated because they are saying that you people come out every four years, you use us to win elections, you do nothing for us, and you continue to repeat it over and over and over again. And so people are becoming, they're just people are getting pissed. So Ice Cube is obviously pissed. So, so he puts out this contract for Black America, all this other stuff. This is what happens. He reached out to the Biden-Harris campaign. You know, they, they love Black people, right? You know, they're, they're, they're the ones because, you know, the, obviously the other guy's like a KKK member. That's what they're, they're trying to tell people. They blew him off. They said, oh, you know, we'll get back to you after the election, Cube. We, we ain't worried about you. Ice Cube says, okay. He goes to the Trump administration and he says, here are some ideas that I have. This is my contract for Black America. The Trump administration and Katrina Pearson, who, who is the, the, like the point person on, on African-American community stuff with, with the Trump administration. So they take this and they integrate some of those ideas into what they had just announced as the, the platinum plan to, to help Black America. And, and if you haven't heard about this, up until this point, I'm not surprised because the fake news did not cover it. It's the platinum plan to help Black America. The Trump administration rolled it out in Atlanta. It, it is all out there on the internet for everybody to see. Maybe I'll do like maybe I'll do like a whole episode at some point where I just break this stuff line by line. Actually, that may be interesting. I may do that. You guys just give me an idea. But anyway, so the platinum plan that has come out integrated some of those ideas that Ice Cube had into those, and Katrina Pearson basically said, you know, Ice Cube told us that that we can say that he's helped us out with this. And when you get deep down into to how Ice Cube did it, like, you know, didn't want to be photographed going in and out of the White House. It's like, you know, taking red eye flights to D.C. so nobody would see him. It's just like, it's just, it's it's ridiculous how secretive you have to be when you're a Black entertainer and you actually want to work with who is empowered to benefit Black people. It's ridiculous. But this stuff came out and all of a sudden, you can guess what happened to Cube. Oh, he's an Uncle Tom. He's a coon. Oh, oh, one of the MSNBC PhDs says, oh, he's a you know, Trump is working with Ice Cube because he thinks black people are stupid. You know, they didn't say they didn't say anything about, you know, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and Biden and all the meeting with Cardi B. You know, they they must be meeting with Cardi B because they think that black people are just super intelligent. But anyway. So Cube is getting all of this stuff. And Cube is saying, 
I am going to work with who's ever in power to help empower Black America. That is what I'm going to do. You can call me coon. You can call me whatever you want. And the left, the Black left, they're trying to do the same crap that they did, that they did to Kanye. You know, these these people like uh, these knuckleheads like Roland Martin are, are coming out to you. They, you know, they, they think they speak for, for all Black people. Uh, because he's been, you know, in, in DC playing, playing, uh, you know, politics and journalism games for the past 30 years. So knucklehead Roland Martin does an interview with ice cube. They try to make him look stupid, you know, try to do some Harding interview, try to make him look stupid. Cube tweeted that Don Lemon was supposed to have ice cube on a show, but then Don Lemon canceled. Don Lemon is a punk. He does shit like that. Um, so all of this stuff is happening. And what you're seeing right now is you are seeing, like I said, that stranglehold that the left has on African-Americans, it is it is loosening up. Because Cube is saying, we have relied on these Democrats for so long to help us, and they're not doing anything for us. And what are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to sit back and, and cower in the Democratic closet while Democrats are not in power and just wait for them to get in power again or wait for them to use us to put them back in power again so that they will do something for black people for all of America. It's ridiculous. And cube said no. And so this is what it is. Obviously he's trying to play both sides a little bit. He's trying to be like, well, you know, I'm not working with the Trump administration. Um, the Trump administration used a couple of my ideas, but either way, cube is finding out right now that you can't have step this stuff. You either do nothing and you wait for these Democrats to do nothing because that's cool and that's not going to get you blowback from the internet, or you do something and you risk the blowback because the blowback is coming either way. And this is what Cube is finding out right now. And it's just very interesting to me that people are starting to wise up to the ways of the left. And so Kanye came out to do his stuff. Like, you can't cancel Kanye. Cube stepped up to deal with that. You can't cancel Somebody that's a cultural icon that's worth $160 million, Twitter. It's not going to happen. And you will see, and this is how Hollywood works. This is how fake so many of these Black people that are on the Hollywood payroll, you know, stumping for Biden and stumping for Kamala Harris. This is how fake they are. None of these Hollywood people would dare say a damn thing to Ice Cube. That man is too powerful. He has too much money. Not only that, he creates too many jobs in Hollywood. These Hollywood people are punks. They're not going to speak up about anything that's going to disrupt their coins. They're all about their coins. So when these Hollywood people, like, they're pushing Biden and leftism, like, that's, they're, they're, you know, trying to keep their jobs. But this Ice Cube thing is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It'll be more interesting to see if, should President Trump be reelected, what active role are some of these people going to take in doing things that benefit Black America? I think that they are going to take a a more active role in this. I I think that you can't be on the fence about this. And you can't wait for Democrats to come back in power before you do things to to advocate and to help not only Black Americans, but all Americans. So the left is slowly losing their stranglehold on culture. When we come back, I'm going to talk to somebody that is in the music industry right now. She um, is a singer, was a part of the iconic girl group, the Pussycat Dolls. And she's going to give us an inside look on just how much 
leftism in this left culture tries to control people in the music and Hollywood system. All right, guys, so we've been talking a lot today about how the left is ruining culture, particularly in the music industry. And I have a very special guest. This is somebody who is in the music industry, currently recording, iconic career. This is Grammy Award winning, platinum recording artist, Kaya Jones. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Rob. I love it. Oh my God. Man, I, I don't even know where to start because we we have only met one time in person, but we had a, a, a pretty intense conversation about your time in the music industry. It was, it was a conversation that actually kept me up that night. But what I want to do is we've been talking a lot about how the left is ruining the music industry. Um, and I was talking a lot about, you know, like Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, like the, the, the whole sexualization and, and all that stuff, particularly that, that happens with the young women. So I would love for our viewers to kind of get a sense of who you are, what your journey in the music industry has been yeah. and and where it has brought to brought you at this point. Oh, wow. Well, it's been a complete journey. So I'm going to try and like condense it. So I started in the music industry very young. I was 12 years old when I started, you know, professionally singing under a recording contract. And by the time I was 17, I was joining the Pussycat Dolls. Um, and from there... It started off as a group and it was normal and everything was kosher and fine. And then it shifted very quickly. And that had to do with being owned by, you know, a woman that owned the group. And then she partnered with the record companies. So we kind of were these movable chairs, if you will. We were controlled by the owner on, on top of the fact that our pay was very low. And then we were completely put through you know, a, a lot of uncomfortable situations in the music sector because one of the girls in the group, of course, took the bait and then we were all fair game. I had never experienced that before in the music industry. I'd never gone through having to push a man off of me in a limo or gone through anything that was uncomfortable whatsoever. But it was the first time in my career that I really had to kind of assess what is going on here? And this isn't what I signed up for. Um, and feeling really like property, feeling like I was uh, owned and for sale and at any given time, except I wasn't the one seeing any of the rewards out of that. I was seeing nothing but grief and, and what was a living hell for me. I then decided, okay, how am I going to shift? <laughs> I'm in a, you know, a guaranteed opportunity of a lifetime and my dream is happening before my eyes. Little girls are looking up to me. How can I continue to be complicit and do this when I would never want my child to be this? Also going through uh, sacrificing a child, something I'm now publicly speaking about, about the forced abortions on our girls in our industry, because we are to be desired and to be seen as sex symbols, We, which, of course, a, a child and being a mother and all of those wonderful things, of course, is not deemed as it should be, which is a blessing and desired. It, it's deemed as a, a, a not a quality um, and you can look back, you know, when Britney Spears got pregnant or certain artists got pregnant, how, how the industry wasn't very kind to them. Of course, now we're in a different time, right? But right. at that time, the pop machines did not get married or pregnant. Uh, and we 
were seen as just that machines that moved forward that were desired by many and uh, sold to many and to curate very young minds for what you want to grow up to be. This is enticing. This is amazing. Ultimately, you know, and, and at the same time of being in the Pussycat Dolls, I was dating a Backstreet Boy. So going through all of that, of, of really understanding the scope of, am I different? Because everyone's telling me this is normal. Everyone's saying this is okay. And I, I don't feel good about this. And God's Because that's what they do. Right. They, they tell you that these things that are not normal are normal and that you are the crazy person yeah. for wanting something different. So I want to, I want to bring it back a little bit because uh, you shared a story with me and this story was the moment that you realized that this all wasn't for you. And I, and I want you to tell the listeners the story because it, it is so in line with what I have to say about some of the, the, the hypersexualization of, of female singers in the music industry, but also the fact that it, it, there's a weirdness to this because this all seems to be, it, it, you know, on one level we know it's for adults, but then it's all bright and candy colored and, and, and it's strange in that way. Like I think about um, a Nicki Minaj video, for example, and, and I'm a big, I'm a Barb, you know, everybody knows I, I love Nicki Minaj, I'm, I'm King Barb, but this is a, a grown woman, a grown adult woman, candy colored wigs, very short skirts, all of that stuff. So tell me about the moment that you decided to leave the industry or in that way. In that way. Well, it was at MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas and we were doing Divas Live. So the telecast was going out to over 23 million people and there were 20,000 people in audience. And, you know, this is a pinnacle moment. You want to be a diva growing up. You see Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and now oh my goodness, I'm a part of this. This is amazing. But it was everything but that at that point in my life. I was going through actively in that moment an abortion and was losing my child as I was performing through taking a pill, being told I was fat on top of the getting rid of it, right? So people were aware. And, you know, being sexually constantly flogged out to different men in our industry and having to say no or pushing men physically off. So it was a lot. It wasn't just one thing. And here I was about to perform and Patti LaBelle singing on stage. And we were coming through the audience, myself and Melody, and the other girls were coming up on a riser. And so we come through the audience and then we get onto a platform that gets onto us to the main stage. And as I'm standing there, they're are these two little girls and they're with their parents, but one is like four or five and the other one's like, you know, between six and eight. And the little one, she goes, she's a pussycat doll. She was so excited. And I just felt gutted because I, I knew like, you know, I'm, I'm losing my child. I'm doing all of these things that are not of me. I I don't recognize, I, I don't understand what I'm involved in yet. This is what, the world says is fame and success, but at what cost? And would I ever want my children to want to be this? And here's this little girl looking at me and I, I couldn't do it. That for me was the defining, I would be helping her think that this is what beauty is and this is what success is and this is what um, significance of being a child of God is and that and that 
was the furthest thing from the truth at the time. So let me ask you this. I talk a lot about how the and I and I say this particularly in regards to African Americans, how our entertainers are being used to push Democrats and push leftism on on African American voters. So I would like to know, in your estimation, in what way have you seen, or what way do you experience, or or would you think that the entertainment industry, and particularly the music industry, uses that industry to kind of push these leftist ideals onto young people? Well, I think, you know, look, capitalism is an American thing, right? This is how we are able to, you know, the American dream, you can come here and build, right? But we know a lot of people use capitalism and then they fuel a Marxist agenda or a very liberal agenda, whatever their agenda is, because money is speech. Most of the people that are athletes, that are artists, we come from broken homes, we don't come from rich ones. We come from inner cities. We come from being plagued, which is why we have to sing, write, run, throw. We have to get it out because we are already damaged or weaker than you would say other families that have the perfect design. So we race for our dream to get out of those places. And then when someone dangles your dream in front of you, you go along with it because you don't want to go back. You, you wanted to get out. You wanted to make something of your life. And so you're then kind of a puppet because if you start speaking, you can't stop. And if you plant your feet, they'll ice you out. You're done. And it, when, I didn't know it at the time that I was a conservative. I didn't know why I was different. I just knew that God was saying in my spirit, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I, and he's been saying that along the way, cause it's, it's a journey with him. It's not just like, boom, overnight, you're a Christian and all is well. It's like, no, no, no. The moment you say you're, 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 you're going to walk with him, get ready for the ride of your life, because that's when everything goes upside down. And that's when your faith has to kick in and say, okay, well, I, I'm going to keep walking with you. A lot of people give up on that journey because they, they do feel the pressure from every different realm. But, you know, you just have to keep pressing forward. But I do believe the reason why you see a lot of the figures in entertainment not being more vocal is because it is a form of your career suicide. As soon as I came out, and I'll put it to you this way, 2016 going into 2017, New Year's Eve, I DJed closing for Calvin Harris and opening for the Backstreet Boys, okay? As a female DJ, because I also DJ. The next month I wore my Trump shirt and I was then asked, why did I vote for Trump? And I said, because I'm a Christian conservative and I pray to Jesus. And I'm not kidding you, I couldn't get a job. That's awful. I could not get a job. It was instant. And I then said, okay, Lord, yeah, I work for you now because I don't know who I've been working for, but clearly it hasn't been used. So now you got to take the wheel. And that's really when like he like fast tracked in my life, you know, bringing my first Christian record, which is even how I was able to be a part of winning that Grammy. That's God. Like, that's all God. And I think the blessing that rained down was confirmation. I gave you this gift. You pray. And I, that's, it's a true story. No one in my family sings. I used to pray at the foot of my bed every night 
God, give me a voice like like Whitney Houston. Give me a voice one day. Like, and I, every year it would change. Some some years it was Nina Simone. It was whoever was my pinnacle diva. And one day he gave me that voice. And I think his confirmation with the instrument he gave me was, "You sing for me. Look what I can do." And he did. And that for me was like, okay, then I'm all in. But I think a lot of people, because of the conditioning of the industry, they, they are scared. They are really, really scared to say, I don't feel good about this. This is wrong. And I, I just think that if they knew they had a place they could jump to and they could be them and they could reach their real following that far precedes what they think, my my goodness, they'd be off that cliff. you know what, you know, they, they'd be out. They would. But I, I know from personal experience, they know they would not yeah. work. And then what happens then? And they have families to feed. They take yeah. care of their mom because they don't have a, you know, they, they, there, there are levels to understanding how serious it is and that, you know, you're going to have a rough road. And I didn't. It's so funny because I we know tangentially in the back of our minds because we look at we look at like a LeBron James. We look at like a Cardi B. We look like uh, at at a lot of these people and they do come from tough backgrounds. Um, And as somebody I I mean, your background was a little little rough and tumble as well. Correct. Yeah. And my and mine was as well. And I, I wouldn't call it rough and tumble, but I was definitely not raised wealthy at all. And I and I think that for people like us, it engenders this drive to succeed and i am like one of the most driven people ever and that is a part of it but also i am lucky enough i don't really exist in an industry that is telling me to basically sacrifice my soul for for all of that stuff which is what they are asking for you as musicians to do now i want to ask you about your christian faith because you talk a lot about that and and I want and and then I w- want to talk a little bit more about your Christian music as well because I heard some of it. I love it. it it's very what I love about it is that it's um it's fresh. It, it's fun. It's 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 not that typical. You think of Christian rock, you just think of like you know this old sort of sort of like garage band stuff in the '90s. But this is poppy and fun, and I love it. So so tell me a little bit about your journey to Christianity. After after you decided to leave that part of the industry, it was definitely bumpy because I had one foot in heaven, like I'm praying to God, but then one foot on earth. Right. So you're still not really walking with him. You know, you know him, but you haven't like accepted him fully. And so that's why. I still toured and sang Pussycat Doll songs and the new songs I was doing because people wanted to hear my old band and they wanted to hear my new stuff. And I still was doing dance electronic and I was slowly, 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 slowly being pulled and, and really not understanding what I was being pulled to. Because of course, at the time, I'm just thinking, I would say right around the time of Rise of the Phoenix album, which was 2013 i'd written that album with renee diff from aqua you know the guy that wrote barbie girl we went in we wrote a great album in seven days and i wrote the song runaway about girls and boys who are basically deemed as runaways but they're actually trafficked and i started to talk about human trafficking and really kind of like how can i lend my voice to things that matter to me and why aren't people paying attention to the numbers of people that go missing and what's going on and 
And that then led me, of course, to, you know, now being very vocal about human trafficking and people now are all paying attention, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. But there's been a long journey that people really didn't know. And and because they didn't know, they weren't able to care and to change and to help. So the journey from Pussycat Dolls to now was I didn't really know where where I was going to be led. And I. I wasn't fully walking with God. I remember the day that I felt everything shifted. And it, truth be told, as much as I didn't get work the next month from the Calvin Harris moment of performing and all of this, I was with Tommy Laren, who's now you know a good friend. But Tommy had me on her old show way before she was on Fox. She was over at The Blaze. And she had me on her very last show. It is the very last Tommy Laren show on The Blaze. Before she went on to do the view and that subsequently ended her show. I was on with her and she said, okay, so you're, you know, you're a Trump supporter, you're conservative. What does that really mean? And I said, well, what it means is, you know, I'm conservative. I have a moral compass. I voted for Trump and I pray to Jesus. And I remember the heat that ran from the top of my head on camera. It was the first time I actually confessed who I pray to not just give the glory to God, I was saying, yes. who is my God? And and that immediate feeling of heat running through my entire body. And I was on a stream of a camera device in my home. And I knew in that moment, there that that's it. You planted now. And in fact, people in the music industry reached out to me. I, I'm, I, I, I am not lying. That said, uh, you can't plant your feet. No, don't plant your feet because there's yeah. no going back. And that was like, I felt like a, I didn't know if that was a threat. But that almost made me want to go even harder because I was like, well, by all means, I'm planting. Okay, that's what's happening. And yeah, and then I just prayed about it. And, you know, I one one song at a time, the Lord brought me, you know, with the heart don't know. And then the I, you know, being on stage with Big and Rich an hour and a half before the shooting in Las Vegas, I then was invited to kind of lift some of the spirits of the people that, you know, the performers and people, we were very shaken. Of course, our, our sacred place of where we feel comfortable is on a stage. And now that was no longer safe, if you will. And I was invited by Jada Marcus to come and see his show with Rascal Flats. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm recording an album with, you know, Jason Crabb, the Crabb family. And, you know, we want to get you on this record. And management was like, no, 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 it's not this. It's not that you're not making anything Mm -hmm. in this and that. And you know, you're just, and I was like, no one's ever asked me to sing for Jesus. Like, this is amazing. Like I always get songs that are about like being something that I'm not. And now I can do like, like, this is, this is a step up. This is awesome. Yeah, and it's, and it's so funny awesome. that that's a step up towards your faith in which you really want. And some people that were around you at the yeah. time were like, no, 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 don't do this. This is, you know, the wrong direction. Right. I want to ask right. you, do you think that there is any sort of infiltrating the music industry by people that are Christian and conservative? Or do you think that it is just better for you to just kind of do your own thing? In, in the Christian world. You know what I mean? Like, like, would there ever be a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 that is about worshiping Jesus? We're going we're gonna to do it. Yes. That's yes. what we're going to do. Yeah. No, I, I, be, I believe, 
I believe what we're currently seeing culturally is a shift. I think if any of any of those out there who have faith, whether you be a Catholic Christian, look, at the end of the day, you, you still believe in Jesus. So I don't care how yes. you get to him. You're getting to him. Okay. It is imperative that we have the influx of positive energy and positive words and things that really touch people at a core level because it's not happening. It is not happening. I think that it's needed. I think our industry has gone so far down the negative realm. You know, the times of hearing songs like We Are the World or, you know, Lean on Me, things that really touched your heart. We need that we now. And there is none of it. There's none of it. And so where are those voices and why don't we hear them? And I think the world's well, what, ready for One of those voices so, is right and here. And I think that's going to make happen. Yeah. That's what I think. So it's well, happen. I'll tell you what. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation. I didn't know that we were going to talk so much about God and Jesus and Christianity, but I'm into it. And now you've given me another idea because I want to, the next time I do one of these interviews, I think I want to talk to somebody about me being gay and Christian. There are some people who think that that can't happen. I, I don't yes. know. That is a long conversation. But tell our our listeners where they can find you and what they should expect next from you. Okay. Well, thank you, Rob, for having me. I'm very excited to be on your program because I am a big fan. Find me at Kaya Jones anywhere. I'm currently dealing with censorship and suppression, but all of my social media is just at Kaya Jones. You can Google at Kaya Jones to find it if you can't find it because they're suppressing our content currently. However, what's next for me is we are currently, me and Antonio Sabato Jr. and our producing partner, Nick Tzecker, we are building a film streaming yes. platform that will be able to allow artists, television, reality shows, and film all for Christian conservatives. But by the way, you don't have to be a Trump supporter if you are a Christian and you want to come over and create. You're not going to be shadow banned. You're not going to be cast out. We are going to allow people to express themselves as artists, but to make good stuff. And also to touch on the things that I think Christians, sometimes we miss showing the dark because we don't want to glorify the dark. And we're not about glorifying the dark, but we have to show the reality of what we're facing in order to show the power of God. God's power is even more powerful than that because he created all of it, even the evil, he created that too. So, you know, the alpha and the omega making that possible in film and TV and music. And so we're releasing new music. I have Paradigm for Christ with me and Damon Elliott, who is Dionne Warwick's son. He's uh, Whitney Houston's cousin. He is, you know, platinum, Grammy, all of that. He actually produced me when I was in the Pussycat Dolls. Now he's found the Lord and we're creating Paradigm for Christ. So we're releasing all these new songs. And then now I'm going in to record more solo songs, as well as three different pictures that I start filming. Wow, soon, Some, so. somebody's booked and busy, as the kids say. <laughs> you oh, too, babe. My You're goodness, busy. my goodness. There's so much <laughs> stuff going on. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And to everybody out there, you know, Kaya Jones is social media at Kaya Jones. And she's got a lot of stuff coming up. So be on the lookout for it. Thanks so much, Kaya. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much to my sponsors. Please support them so we can bring the show to you for free. 
Visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people can learn what the show is about, be introduced to me, all of these problematic thoughts, and introduced to our community of problematics. Thanks to producer Stephen Calabria and researcher Aaron Kliegman and executive producers Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.